This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management. Welcome to your commercial-free, uninterrupted investment show. Sponsored by the SEC-registered investment firm, Wilsey Asset Management, a fiduciary firm owned and operated by President Brent Wilsey, who has been putting clients' investment needs first for over 40 years. The Smart Investing Show has been giving unbiased financial information for over 27 years on local radio stations right here in San Diego, providing you with fundamental analysis on stocks and investments you want to know about. Now, here are your hosts, Brent and Chase Woolsey. Well, good morning and welcome to the Smart Investor Show. I'm Brent Wilsey, 8.03 on Saturday morning. Great to have you here this Saturday morning and every Saturday morning talking about your money, investing, the economy, and all these important things to help you grow your net worth. And with me is Chase. Good morning, Chase. How you doing? Good morning. Doing well. Good, good. I see you got the Fighters Fight Foundation shirt on. Sweatshirt. 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 Yes, yeah. I do. Yeah. We, we, uh... See, next week's Thanksgiving. We're doing uh, three Thanksgivings this year. So, um, you know, it's two more than we did last year. So, good growth there. And then uh, we're starting to accept applications for our Christmas experience. We already got two applications in for that. So, we'll be delivering Christmas trees, decorations, and um, presents for, for the kids and, and the moms of the, uh, the applicants that, that have breast cancer. So, Rolling into the holiday season. Normally, that's a busy one for us. If people want to find out more about it, what's the website? It's fightersfightfoundation.com. And it's for? Breast cancer. Breast cancer. Make sure people Patients, know. yes. Yeah. Uh, also, too, next Saturday is the Teddy Ball, which uh, I do every year. I'm the title sponsor this year. Another charity event uh, run by Cruise for Kids. And we do have free tickets uh, for people. It is a, a black tie, high energy event. Uh, and if you'd like to go to the Teddy Ball next Saturday evening, I think it starts at 7 uh, go to our website at the office, uh, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. You can also call the office, 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. If you're not sure what the Teddy Ball is, just Google Teddy Ball and it comes up. Uh, it's a great event uh, for kids, and they raise oh, about 1,500 teddy bears uh, for kids and other donations as well. So hope to see you there can't make it we got free tickets so all right let's talk about uh, the business side after 22 years the staple center is getting a name change to crypto.com arena that doesn't flow very well does it no it doesn't roll off the tongue <laughs> reports state that uh, crypto.com is paying 700 million dollars over 20 years from a sports standpoint i do not like this deal the staple center has so much history and it's weird to think about a different name for that stadium. Yeah, I, I mean, I personally look at it, and I, I looked at some athletes that came out as well, and they're kind of saying it's the house that Kobe built, and there's so oh, much yeah. history with Shaquille uh, Neal there. And, I mean, it's it's weird to kind of have that name change. I mean, 22 years is a long time. Yeah, so, that is. Um, I know a lot of the athletes didn't like that as well. Yeah. So. That was interesting, but from a business standpoint, I've seen people make comments about the deal legitimizing crypto, and, and you know, I, I'd have to disagree here. There, there have been big-name companies file bankruptcy after naming rights deals. Let's look at just a few here. Chesapeake Energy, remember mm -hmm. that one? That's oh, in yeah. Oklahoma City. Yeah. Fruit of the Loom, I didn't even know they had a stadium. I don't, I don't think I wear their underwear anymore. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, I think I have a couple of boxers at a Fruit of the Loom. Uh, let's not forget Sports Authority. Uh, mm -hmm. That's another big one. And who could forget? This is the big one, I think. Yeah. Enron. Yeah, Enron was a, a, a big one. And it wasn't too long after that happened that they filed bankruptcy. Yeah, 
Yeah, and and also do I want to point out while the Staples Center has that name recognition, I, I can't say that Staples business is booming at this time. <laughs> I mean, true. just That's because true. you have a stadium doesn't mean your business <laughs> is strong. So, uh, you know, just be careful of that. And I don't want to get too off topic on the crypto, but it, it just it boggles my mind when I talk to people and it's always oh, getting more and more adopted. So that's good. You know, I'll talk to people and I said, Oh, why, why do you invest in it? I, I don't know. It was going up. And I was talking to this um, lady yesterday and I was saying, uh, you know, we're not going to invest in crypto. We do value investing. She was kind of looking at a firm for investing services. I said, we stick to buying good businesses. And she's like, so you have nothing in crypto at all. I said, Nope. She's like, Oh, it's like, well, to be honest, I don't really know what it is. I, I just have money in it. <laughs> and it goes up. So <laughs> yeah. I just, uh, although in this past week, it actually went down from, I think it was yeah. like 57000 or something. I kind of saw that. But uh, and, and, and just want just because you had, now if we had $700 million, it could be the Wilsey Asset Management Stadium. So it's not that because you're adopted, oh, it's going to be great. They came up with a $700 million. And it's like, yeah, sure. Well, Staples doesn't have the money. You got $700 million for the next 20 years. Uh, we'll give it to you. Now, I don't know how. I don't think it came out how they're paying that. I don't think they paid the $700 million up front. Is it like uh, what? I think they're paying it in crypto. No, crypto. it's over. Oh, yeah. that's a good point. <laughs> I bet you they're not paying it in crypto. <laughs> you know, so they are paying in dollars, the old-fashioned dollars. So, uh, But, again, it, it, it's just that they had the money. They can do it. Uh, so don't think just because, oh, there's a stadium now called Crypto.com that, wow, that is great. Like, no, they had the money to pay for it. Yeah. And also, too, that, that begs the question, gosh, I, I said I wasn't going to get off on these tangents. Just it's one last thought on it <laughs> is, you know, people are so funny because, well, crypto was great because it was deregulated and it was different from the banks and, and so forth. And, and now all of a sudden it's like they're not banks. I get that. But now right. you're having these different, I'm going to call them custodians, right. that are holding the cryptos. So how is that much different from the banking industry? And now if you get more adoption... And some people want regulate. It's just there's so many conflicting opinions there. I just I don't know. Yeah, and I, I kind of relate it to uh, digital currency is here to stay. It'll be it be here for a long time, uh, like the internet was. But many many internet companies did not last because of the fact that they just didn't have anything behind them. Same thing with the cryptocurrencies, like the, the, the bitcoins. And there's what eight thousand different ones. They're not going to be around. People losing money. Yeah. Uh, Squid Games. I guess that was a one that <laughs> went bust for people. But digital current currencies will be here to stay. Even China right now has their own digital currency. So it is here to stay, but not maybe the way you think it's going to stay here. And, and I just feel it's going to end badly for some people, unfortunately. So let's move on from that uh, because we often do talk about how history repeats itself or does at least rhyme. Uh, back in the 60s, conglomerates were the big thing only to be followed by the 70s, which saw the end of the big conglomerates like ITT and others. Now, a lot of people don't recognize IT&T. You have to be probably, I'm going to say, at least 40 or 50 years old to remember that one back in the 60s, even probably a little bit older than that. Maybe, maybe I'm the, uh, being 65, I'm, I, I can remember it, but maybe not much younger you can. Uh, but fast forward 50 years to 2021, and we seem to uh, be breaking up the big conglomerates uh, once again here. Yeah, and, and within a matter of just a few short weeks, we were seeing announcements from General Electric, also known as GE, of course, mm -hmm. Johnson & Johnson, and Toshiba, that they are breaking up their companies. I believe there will be more to come in the near future. I also believe that this could be a sign that there are many companies in the market that are way too pricey and could be heading 
downwards, the same as in 73, 74. Yeah, and it is kind of a I mean, GE, I mean, I grew up with it. I grew up connected in New York, and I remember, like, GE was like, wow, GE, that's where everybody worked. And it was great. I mean, you have, a, at my age, a lot of, like, love for GE, but it is apparently going away, uh, and many other big conglomerates will as well. And and we are seeing more talk about some big tech companies that might have to break up as well. Yeah, I and I've, I've seen talk about car companies spinning off electric vehicle. Yeah, I mean, yeah. There, there's all this talk, but I, I do, I, I will say kind of back to GE, um, you know, that's one reason I, uh, we've stayed away from it is just the complexity of the business. Yeah. I, I do think perhaps GE could be more investable come 2023, 2024, as you can kind of find pockets from those three companies that present different opportunities. Right. And I know that was a, a big help for United Technologies when they spun out Carrier and Otis. Right. And, you know, you're, you're kind of able to invest in different parts of the business rather than. I kind of want to invest in the elevator part. I don't want to invest in United Technologies. Right. So that, I think, is a, a benefit to spinning out the, the different companies. Yeah, and, and actually over the years, I mean, our firm, we did make money with uh, General Electric. They had great fundamentals. Uh, and actually, I think we I, we bought it. I bought it back before we came at least a couple of times toward the target sell price, sold again. But when we sold it, I'm going to guess four or five years ago, the fundamentals just never justified buying it back again. And we just saw there's deterioration of, of the fundamentals, which are, they're still unfortunately there. So I, I, I you know, kind of has some love for the old name GE, but uh, it, it is changing uh, just like the times are. All right. So I got to talk about this. I, I don't quote Elon Musk very often. Uh, I, I think this is perhaps the first time, but uh, in his response to the new competitor, Rivian? Is that the way you say it? Rivian. 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 Like a rivet. Rivian. Uh, he wished uh, them success, but also stated that there have been hundreds of automotive startups, both electric and combustion, but, well, they haven't really done so well. Yeah. And, I, I mean, you look at it, there have been hundreds of automotive startups, both electric and combustion, but Tesla's the only car maker to reach high volume production and positive cash flow in the past hundred years. And again, that's what Elon Musk said. Yes. If you hold shares of Rivian, that has to make investors squirm a little bit, especially considering those high valuations, even not just Rivian, but you look at the companies now like Lucid that yep. is now trading or at one point was trading right near General Motors and above Ford in terms of market cap without mass deliveries at this point. I mean, these EV companies are <clears throat> way, way over. This actually reminds me a lot of the tech boom. Oh, yeah. Because you have, again, EV is going to be part of the future, just right. like the Internet was part of the future. But you have all of these companies now coming in that, oh, it's an EV company. They better trade at 500 times earnings. <laughs> or actually, excuse me, not 500. They don't have earnings. <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. <laughs> 20 times sales. <laughs> so it, it's something that I think you, you just have to be very, very cognizant of. And, and I will say, I uh, kind of looked into it. Somebody brought it up on my social media, actually. I think Elon Musk was referring to U.S. companies. Yes. Because I looked at Honda. They were founded in like 1940. 48, I want to say, and uh, Toyota was like 1934, right. 1938, somewhere in those time frames. So those companies were found in the last 100 years. Uh, also, too, interesting, uh, somebody pointed up, pointed out on my social media that uh, Jeep was also founded um, in 19, let's see, what was it, 1945 is when they launched the first branded product. And I wonder about that because I believe that Jeep was a big uh, factor in World War II. 
so that would be after World War II. And, I, I, and again, I'm just kind of speculating here, but I, I'm pretty sure that they had Jeeps in the Second World War. So how could they come out in 1945 unless maybe they were private? Um, also, too, Elon Musk could be talking about car companies. They were a military company at the time or something. So, you know, uh, it, I, I think the point is that it's very hard to make a car company. Why is that? Car companies, you had Rambler, you've had uh, uh, DeLorean. I mean, there's so many car companies that have gone bankrupt because it is such a hard industry to compete in. You have capital intensive. Capital intensive. That's what I was going to say, capital intensive. And then the marketing on top of that. Um, now, right now, with employees, I mean, the, 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 the labor, um, it, it, it's a very difficult thing to start a, a car company. And again, we, I, I like the car Tesla. It's, it's not a, I don't hate the car. I'll never buy one because I don't like electric cars. But um, it's not that we hate the car company or hate Elon Musk. It just makes no sense investment-wise that the stock trades at these you know, skyrocket levels that it just make no sense. But I uh, do have to give him kudos for having this car company actually become profitable. And there was times, and I'll admit it, that a few years ago, he came very close to bankruptcy. And we said, gosh, it does not look like he's going to make it. And he did pull out a uh, rabbit from the hat and turned it around. So congratulations to him on doing that. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was <coughs> a, a great point. And, you know, I, I've knocked Elon Musk several times, I say. But I've never knocked how intelligent he is. No. You know? he's, no. He's a smart dude, so yeah. um, he, he's done a, a great thing for the EV industry, and uh, just still can't justify that stock price. <laughs> right. Yeah, and that's what we're about is, is making reasonable investments. And I'm sorry, it's just not a reasonable investment to invest in Tesla. And I just, so. you know, I'm gonna go back a few years here. Remember when he was gonna take <laughs> Tesla private at 420? Yeah, 420, 450. That was pre-split as yeah. well. Yeah. I mean, that was well, well below where. It, so. I don't even think he thinks the companies no. should be valued where it's at. And he hasn't come out and said that, but I mean, he has been selling a lot of stock. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. Um, it is interesting. And it's a, again, you can't say it's a value company. You can't say the valuations are inexpensive. Right. It is definitely a growth company and be very careful and uh, uh, good. Great car company, just way overpriced. Phone number is 866 577 Two four seven three. That's eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. And as always, that'll get you through for your unbiased, no strings attached, fundamental opinion about what you want to talk about. Before we go to calls, I just want to make one more comment. Uh, I do have many concerns with the U.S. retail brokerage fees hitting two point two billion dollars through June on option orders. Why does this concern me? Well, it is now sixty percent higher than brokerage fees on stocks. And, and what this tells me is that there's a lot of risk money out there. And be careful what you hold in your portfolio. I mean, I, I mean there's so many signs of, I don't know if I want to call them bubbles. And I know uh, there's, there's been several hedge fund managers. I, I think Stanley Drunkenmill was the last one to come out. And he said everything's in a bubble right now. Mm -hmm. Real estate's in a bubble. Stocks are in a bubble. Bonds are in a bubble. Um, and, and I'd agree that Stocks are very, very expensive, but there are opportunities to find within those stocks. So don't just lump all stocks together. But I, I just think that this is, again, yet another sign that, you know, kind of piggybacking on what we said last week from Warren Buffett is, you know, to be fearful when others are greedy and be greedy when others are fearful. I don't know if that's the inverse of what <laughs> it said, but the same concept applies that right now people aren't fearful whatsoever yep. in anything. Right. I think people are now starting to to really show signs of that greed and 
And this, again, just another sign to, to, to be cognizant of, of what you have. And right. things don't go to the moon. Things do come back to reality, uh, especially if we do see money start to kind of slow down in terms of coming into the economy. That's what generates higher asset prices is yeah. money flowing into them. Yeah. So be, be careful. And, and also, too, it did not break down but uh, where these options are coming from. I do believe a lot are coming from the big tech companies like Microsoft, um, Netflix, NVIDIA. And what people don't realize is that you have those options that push up the stock price. Well, if that changes, that that's why there, there's going to be, I just can't tell you when, a big drop on a lot of these technology companies because when that goes away and people start losing money on the options, then and they don't they can't cover, they can't do this, they're not going to do it any longer. Wow, you, you, you're going to see a, a big downturn in these companies. I, I People say, oh, you've been saying that for a while. Well, as we've always talked about, you don't know when it's going to happen. But you can see a bad picture ahead that I, I, I just I'd rather be part of. And, and let people know too, value companies will come down somewhat as well. You know, they're they're not because it's gonna everybody's gonna like oh, panic. But what always happens, and you can look in history on this, the value companies come back very quickly, and the growth companies they don't come back. Yeah, they move into a different growth company. Oh, yeah, in a you know different cycle. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, because now you have different growth opportunities because. You had like a recession many times, so now everything's kind of growing. Yeah, so you're yeah. trying to find what's going to be the next pocket of growth. So it, it is a great point. And uh, I'm going to sound like a broken record here. We've brought it up many times, but you talk about not knowing when it's going to happen. I always bring up Alan Greenspan's speech of irrational exuberance in 1996. And you might be saying, well, what happened in 1996? Well, his speech happened, but the tech bust didn't happen until 2000, about four years later. Yep. So things can can go crazy for a while. And I will say, I think things have been crazy for quite some time in terms of valuations, but I, I do think a lot of that stems from the money supply and the oh, amount yeah. of money that's been pumped in the economy. I think you could see things stay crazy, but I'm not willing to take that chance of, is it going to stay crazy for two, three more years? Maybe. Yeah. But I, I don't want to be part of that that game. Yeah. No, I, I'd really make our, our nice returns that we make on our portfolios and so forth and be safe with it as opposed to be part of the hype, which, and again, look in the history, every single time it's, it's done this, and we may sound like a broken record, but I guarantee you, and I heard this back during the tech boom and buzz, I heard this back during the Great Recession, I wish someone had told me. <laughs> it's like, we tried many, many times, you weren't listening. <laughs> and I, I will say, uh, yesterday we did our, our Smart Investing Weekly Stock Analysis oh, yeah. on uh, our YouTube channel, and we talked about Foot Locker. Yes. And it was an interesting company. Um, but we talked about, yeah, there's momentum going up, there's also that momentum yeah. going down many times. And the sad part is the momentum going down can occur a lot faster oh, than yeah. the momentum going up. So you, you, you think, oh, I'll get out before things really hit the fan. You might not be yeah, able yeah. to. And you, you could lose 50, 60, 70, 80% because you might be sitting there, oh, I'll just wait for it to get back and then I'm going to sell. And it, you, it's almost like a drug. You're like, right. oh, I'm going to wait. And then it goes lower. It's like, okay, now what do I do? And you start guessing yourself because you got into it because of the momentum, yeah. not because it was a good value. And people a lot of times don't get the concept it's an auction market. So they say, well, well, it has to kind of fall down slowly because it it's not a savings account. It's based on what the next person will pay for that stock. And if it was trading at 100 and now things go, they report bad earnings or something happens, and now the next person says, I'll give you 60 for it. That's it. There is no 90, 80. It goes from 100 to 60 automatically because that's what that business is worth or that stock is worth that time frame. And a lot of times people don't get that concept, think there'll be a way to get out of it. No, no way to get out of it. So, all right, phone number is 
2473. That's 866 577 2473. Let's go out to Alpine and speak with Jim. Jim, you're on this morning. Best show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hey, good morning, gentlemen. How are you this morning? Good. How are you doing this morning? Uh, we're uh, we're heading north on 395 here, and uh, I got a chance to chat with you guys. Cool. Uh, we we talked about the Carnival Cruise Line several times over the past few months, and uh, all the stuff they're going through. And I'm just kind of looking for a for a you know a an update, not so much numbers and stuff, but just feelings and uh, you know narrative about the company. Sure. Yeah. And, and what we'll kind of do. Yeah. We'll, we'll kind of look at the numbers, too, because, I mean, I, I've not looked at them in a while. So it kind of gives us a feeling we we do know some things behind the scenes, so to speak, that it's out there. But things we'll, we'll talk about. So uh, let's kind of look at some numbers here, kind of talk about them and, and go over our feelings on the Carnival sure. Cruise Line. Uh, symbol is CCL. Uh, the shares float is actually, I believe, rising. It's now nine point one percent. I mean, it's not in a, a scary territory, but it's not low like I believe it used to be. Institutional ownership is about 54%. Uh, the last reported earnings were August 31st. Uh, still no earnings over the last 12 months, no P.E. ratio. The price to sales, a very good indicator of the value of a company, because you can't manipulate that with accounting at all, is 33.6 versus 6.3. Very expensive. Now, your price to tangible book value surprisingly does look pretty good. It's 1.9 uh, versus 17.3. Uh, no price of cash flow, so it shows me I have no cash flow, uh, no peg ratio, so there's no growth on this company they expect going forward uh, from the analysts here. Uh, we do see the earnings per share uh, growth over the last one year and five years. There's nothing there because n- nothing is growing. So so that's not a good thing. Sales, now here's a thing too because you hear people say, oh, well, you know, they're, they're, they're doing bookings and so forth. Well, their sales aren't doing that well for the one year. They are down 93.7%. The whole industry down 22.3. Even the five-year average is a negative 47 uh, versus a negative 11. So not doing so good even on the five-year time frame. Uh, This is surprising to me. The five-year earnings per share growth rate estimate from the analysts is uh, 10%. But that is below the industry at 110%. We do see that uh, dividend, that's gone. They used to have a nice dividend. They no longer pay that dividend. The balance sheet, very important here. you got a current ratio of 0.9 or 90% versus 170% for the industry. I'm okay with that. What I'm not okay with is the debt to equity now is 220% versus 230% for the industry. So that is rather frightening for me. Uh, looking at some other things here, day sales outstanding. Actually looks okay, 156 versus 172. So I, I do believe they are making some sales. People are getting away from that. But the net profit margin a uh, 1,391 negative. So they've losing an awful lot. Kind of a number you can't even really approach versus the industry at negative 69. Return on equity at negative 61. Uh, just so many negatives here. And I'm very curious, Chase, if there's any positives going forward on the earnings. Yeah, well, let me start here with the current price for Carnival Cruise Lines. It's $20.49. I, I didn't realize it, it hit a 52-week high of $31.52 uh, back in June of this year. And then the 52-week low, well, that's $17.33 that occurred last November. That means the year-to-date return down about 5% for the year. Uh, I go out to next year, November 2022. Unfortunately, I just see negative estimated earnings of negative $0.17. So can't derive a target sell price off that. I will say, jumping out to November 2023, now the company is estimated to start making money which is no surprise to me because I, I wonder 
because you know the cruise line bookings have been up, right? And people have been cruising, but how much of that is from rescheduled cruises? Yeah. So they might have just been, you know, obviously COVID was very difficult, but now they're making up for those people that lost out on cruises. Right. You can't say, oh, you paid for a cruise, great. Uh, you don't get to go, you know. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think they're having to play catch up on that, which is is really making it difficult. But they will be reporting earnings here. I'm, I'm guessing sometime in, in January would be my guess for November uh, for their fiscal year. And at, at November 2023, I see estimated earnings of a dollar ninety five cents. That would give us a target sell price of thirty two thirty seven. Now, while that is intriguing, and that, that's November 2023. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, because what's going to happen is we always yeah. go out a year and a half right. to two years. Well, they haven't reported their fiscal year. That will be coming up here shortly. They'll be coming up quicker than a lot of the companies that yeah. have calendar years. So uh, that is interesting. But my, my concern here is that that balance sheet has just been annihilated. Yeah. I, I mean, it's – and I, I think it will continue to struggle because I think they're still going to have to borrow money to pay for the cruises of these people they yeah. need to, to have cruise. So I, I think you could see even more debt flowing out of the balance sheet or even – I think could be worse, even more share issuances, which is going to dilute those earnings going forward right. again. So I, I feel bad for the cruise industry. It's one that was a very, very strong industry and mm-hmm. a very well, Carnival in particular, very well run company. I mean, they, they hadn't lost money going back to the 80s. They, they made they were profitable during the yeah. Great Recession. Yeah. I mean, this was just such an anomaly. Uh, I feel terrible for that industry, but I, I don't think I, I'd invest in into it. Uh, I know, Jim, your situation is a little bit different, as you talked about before, with the leaps. But uh, for other listeners, I, I wouldn't buy stock in this company. And the, the other thing, too, Jim, that I kind of worry about is that we do see somewhere in the horizon a recession coming up. And I think if you start having the reverse to where there's not as much money in the economy, I think usually travel is one of the things that people say, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go on a cruise this year. So while we got earnings positive in 2023, I'm just wondering if the analysts are not factoring in a recession in that time frame, because I think that could happen in 2023, um, that those numbers could come down. So I think maybe the time to buy a cruise company could be in 2024, 2025, after we get through the next uh, down period. I was going to say those are my thoughts exactly, because these companies are very, I'm going to say cash creative. I mean, yep. I mean they, they do a great job with cash flow where they can probably pay off that debt in a few years. I just don't think the stock's going to pop much more. I, I could miss the boat on it, so to uh, speak. Is that a pun? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. But uh, I, I think I'd rather be patient with it, make sure that balance sheet gets cleaned up, uh, and, and you could get this in a, a few years. But for the time being, I, I just wouldn't want to take the risk. And I think, too, that I don't think they'll pay down the debt. I think what could happen is slow down. The debt becomes too much of a burden. They file bankruptcy, recapitalize. you got a whole new company in 2024, 2025. That's that's my speculation. But also, too, as I said, they were profitable during the Great Recession. So they, they yeah. might be able to maintain during the next downturn as, as, as long as they're able to cruise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. Yeah. And they got fuel costs going up as well. That's another so. good point. So, so Jim, those are our numbers. Those are our thoughts on it. Um, and, again, Chase said, I think you had the leaps on it that expire. When do they expire? Oh, January. I've already... <clears throat> I've sold out to my basis, so I'm just sitting on the house with money at the moment. Okay. But uh, January, you know, January 22nd, they, uh, January of 20, you know, two months they expire. Okay. So I think I'm just going to just dump the leaps and uh, go on to something else. 
And, and it's so funny. I remember when you first called about that. I was like, oh, that's so far away, January. <laughs> now you say like two months away. <laughs> <I> know, <it's laughs> it's impossible. But yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, I just don't see good things for, for them, unfortunately. Already? Listen, I, 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 know, I like Italian horses, and I noticed you like Italian uh, bulls. Uh, you ought to try driving a C8. Oh, the Corvette? Oh, the new Corvette? Uh, I, 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 I have thought about it. My garage now runneth over. <laughs> so I, um, uh, but I just... You want, you want to drive an amazing piece of engineering. You, you know, and one thing that I was thinking, too, with the Corvette, and then we'll move on to our investment <laughs> shield, but I just love talking about cars, is that my Lamborghinis are all wheel drive. So you can't do what I used to do was spin the car around with the wheel drive because I know you can smoke those tires on that C8 probably pretty easy and just spin that car around, do all kinds of fun things with it that I can't do with the Lamborghini. Poor baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jim, thanks for calling. You have a great one. All right. Appreciate your time and your thoughts, gentlemen. Have a wonderful day. You too. <laughs> Bye-bye. All right. That does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866 866- Five seven seven two four seven three. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with Chase. Chase, you're on the Smart Investor Open. Chase, how can we help you? Good morning. Uh, nice to get through to you guys. I've been a listener for a long time. I I uh, wanted to ask you guys your thoughts on JWN. Okay. Do you hold that or looking to buy it? Uh, looking to buy it. I hear the earnings coming out pretty soon here, and I hear they're. Uh, Splitting up the brick and mortar, moving um, and moving over to the e-commerce, and uh, wanted to see, yeah, what you guys' thoughts were on it. Macy's just blew up last week, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, wanted to see what you guys thought of this uh, Nordstrom. Okay, yeah, and 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 this is one that I've kind of looked at over. The, I'm going to say the past year or so, I kind of liked it. I I believe it's a lot family owned or something, but uh, I'm I'm happy you called in about it because I do want to check the numbers on uh, Nordstrom. Symbol is JWN. Uh, we do see, uh, I'm surprised here, a higher uh, percentage uh, float here, short, uh, than I expected. It's 16.5%, which is higher than I thought. Institutional ownership is a 61.9. Uh, last reported period is uh, July 31st, 21. So I think we could be seeing some numbers on them pretty soon. We do see that uh, the PE is 100 over 100 versus 26 for the industry. Price to sales looks good at 0.4 versus 0.5. Price to tangible book value over 100 versus 73 for the industry. So I think they have a lot of unfortunately intangible assets on the balance sheet. Price to cash flow looks okay at 6.6 versus 6. And the peg ratio uh, forward is about 2.3 versus 3. So that is another positive. Looking at what they've done uh, over the last year, uh, the earnings per share growth, nothing there. Over the last five years, earnings per share are down 60%, while the industry was up 15.6. The sales, however, over the last year are up 15.4% when the industry was down 11.6. Uh, five-year sales growth on negative 1.7 for Nordstrom versus 2.9 positive for the industry. The analysts give a five-year estimated earnings per share growth of uh, 6%, just under the industry at 69 uh, they no longer pay a dividend. I thought they were still paying the dividend. I guess not. I do not see that here. So no dividend. The balance sheet got a current ratio of 0.9 versus 1.5. I'm like, okay with that. Debt to equity. I'm, I'm looking at this number hesitating. It looks like it's 1,700 
percent. Yeah, yeah. I just, I, I'm kind of stuttering because like I, that's a very high debt to equity. It's not very good uh, versus the industry around two hundred and fifty percent. Things we see here to uh, days inventory ninety point nine versus eighty point nine. That should be lower. Days sales outstanding looks good eight point six versus thirty one point nine. Uh, net profit margin zero. Return on equity zero. Uh, not some good things on this, unfortunately. Maybe there's some good numbers going forward. Yeah, I was going to check on just uh, another source on that that debt level because it, it is so crazy. But I, I know it, it's a reason we, we've stayed away from Nordstrom in the past um, because, well, we, we don't like high debt companies. So I'm, I'm scrolling through here. Uh, yeah, I, same as our, our other source. It's 1,760% is that, yeah. that debt level. Um, it could have stemmed from you know stock buybacks. Uh, I know they kind of have a unique situation. I'm going to say with uh, the family ownership, but I'll, we'll talk about that more in a little bit. I, I want to talk about the numbers first. Current price here for Nordstrom: thirty-two dollars seventy-four cents. Fifty-two week high: forty-six dollars and forty-five cents. That was achieved in March of this year, and the fifty-two week low is twenty dollars and seventy-three cents. Means year-to-date return ah, not not too great, up just four point nine percent. I think a lot of that momentum kind of has simmered uh, on right. the reopening plays. Uh, if I go out to next year for Nordstrom, January 2023 is going to be the next fiscal year we'd look at. I see estimated earnings of $2.29. That would give us a target sell price of $38.01. So the valuation looks good on it. I do see it was down about 6.4% yesterday. Um, I think that stems from, oh, COVID's coming back. <laughs> right. um, yeah. and COVID figures. Yeah, I, I, I saw a lot of those companies get hit, which you know could be an opportunity in retail. Uh, we, we did see some studies that, that the mall is coming back in a favor, which would mm-hmm. go well for Nordstrom. I'll say another thing that, that is interesting talking about that family ownership is a benefit to that is there's always seemed to kind of be a floor yeah. on the stock price because the family says, this is just ridiculous. We're just going to take the company private. Yep. So yep. that is a positive. Another thing that I liked about Nordstrom when we did research on it a few years ago was the fact that uh, a lot, not a lot, but I wanted to say somewhere on like 30% or, you know, it's more than a lot of other retailers was actually kind of private label. It, right. it was exclusive to Nordstrom, which creates that moat. You, you got to go to Nordstrom to get those products. And also higher pro- uh, uh, profits as well. Yeah. And I did take a quick look at the balance sheet for here, Chase, too. And I, I looked at uh, what's going on here is that their debt is now 4.4, well, $4.5 Back uh, five years ago, it was about $2.8 billion, So the debt has gone up. And the equity five years ago was about $1.4 billion. It's now $268 million. So they are kind of having to... <clears throat> spend that down a little bit. Uh, debt's going up. I think assets are going down. So difficult situation. And I and it appears <clears> they <throat> do report on Monday is what oh, it they looks do? like. Okay. Yeah. Or yeah. let's see, 11. No, actually, I'm, I'm sorry. It looks like Tuesday because today's the 20th. <laughs> Tomorrow's the 21st. It said the 23rd. So it looks like Tuesday is when they'll be reporting. So now, I don't know. You, you might be able to buy it, get a pop after the the report. Yeah. What happened. Yep. But, uh, you know, that's not how we do things. We like to look for a longer term. Uh, there's some positives with this stock, some negatives, but uh, I'd say the balance sheet just kind of trumps my uh, yeah. opportunity to buy it. Yeah, we, we, we like companies with a strong balance sheet just in case you go through something to expect. Uh, they can weather a storm, but this one here looks like if they did have a problem, we do hit a recession, maybe worse than we expected, and the sales go down, could be a problem for the company. So I, I'd say, yeah, Jay said watch the, the earnings on Tuesday, see what happens with it, look at a, a new cleaning, uh, look at the balance sheet, maybe they paid some debt down, but... Not, not something I'm going to say spend a lot of time with. All right, Chase? And that was Chase on the phone.
Not Chase Hayward. <laughs> <laughs> I think we may have did, lost him. Did we lose oh. Chase? I guess we lost him. Well, hopefully he got all that. Yeah, we lost him. So well, hopefully he got all that uh, on that. So phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with Rose. Rose, you're in the Smart Vest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Well, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. I'm so happy to get through. Well, good. And my, my, it's Sempra Energy. I'm looking for an SRE, and I don't own it. I'm and looking to buy. Looking to buy. Now, what's what made you say I want to buy yeah. Sempra? Did you read something about uh, the utilities or, or what? No, it's just that um, my son asked me. Oh. I don't know. However, I will say years ago, I used to... Um, buy it every, you know, automatically. I used to buy it every ma- automatically. So I did a mask quite a bit. But then I sold it quite a few years ago, too. So it's it's like an old friend. Okay. Right. And I do believe, I'll, I'll try to take a look at the, the chart here if I can find one, but I do believe that the stock has not done much over the last few years. I could be wrong on that, but I, I believe it's been kind of languishing. But look, let's see what it looks like right now. Company again is Sempra Energy, symbol is SRE. Uh, I do see that, uh, and, and then utilities, uh, uh, diversified utilities, but I do see that the short, very small, 1.1%. Institutional ownership, very high, 85%. Uh, they have a P.E. ratio, which is disappointing. It's 34.8 versus 19.2. Now, used to be utilities had very low P.E. ratios, but that has obviously changed somewhat. Price of sales uh, for Sempra, 3.1, above the initial 1.1. And again, these are valuation ratios. You want them lower, not higher. Price to book value is 1.8 versus 10.2. That's a positive, but price to cash flow is not a positive at 9.5 above the industry at 6.6. Uh, the peg ratio is very good, though, 3.3 versus 1,000 for the industry. Now, their earnings per share over the last year, the change has been a negative 45.8%, industry down 6%. So I would be curious, why are their earnings down nearly 50%? The five-year earnings per share uh, growth is a negative 8.2. Industry is a positive 7.6. The sales look normal. So this tells me maybe there's some write-offs or something going on with the earnings. But sales, a uh, one-year change, 9.4% positive, better than the industry at 4.6. And the five-year is 4% versus only 0.7. The five-year earnings per share growth estimate is 4.3 for Semper versus only 0.1 for the industry. So that's a positive. You do get a dividend here of 3.6%, and they do use 122% of the earnings to pay that out. I do believe they have some write-offs or some things. I talked about those earnings because that would be a terrible payout. Uh, eventually, they would have to cut that dividend if that was the case. The balance sheet, and this is uh, very disappointing, current ratio only 0.4 versus 1.2. Now, that tells me that if things were to get worse for them or the economy gets worse or something happens here, they can have a liquidity problem paying their bills. So that worries me. Debt to equity looks okay, 1.1 versus 1.5. We do see that the net profit margin is 9.6 versus 5.8. Return on equity, not very good. It's only 4.3 versus 8%. Chase, what do you got? So I got a current price here for Sempra, $122.76. It it has fallen off the 52-week high of $144.93. 52-week low for the company as well, $114.66. See year-to-date return down about 1.2%. Also, too, you talk about kind of going nowhere. Um, You look over the five-year period, it's up 44%. So eh, it hasn't done much. You know, it hasn't done great. So 
but yeah, I haven't lost money, so that's a positive. I will say though, back in 2020, it did hit a uh, high. Of, gosh, I think around 160 is down about 25 percent yeah. from that high level. So um, I, I, had, I do remember looking at it back then and being very concerned about the valuations. And still, I, I kind of look forward on, on this company. I go out to 2022 right now. 8.46 is the estimated earnings. Uh, would give us a target sell price for, if we use our 16.6 multiple here of $140.44. So it would be in the hold category for us. Mm-hmm. But but again, that balance sheet rose. I, I, I just I, I wouldn't feel comfortable with it. Yeah, and I did look at a quick chart here. I go back to like August 2017. It was around $100 a share. It's now, what did you say, Chase, about 128 I think you said. 122 122 I mean, it's not done terrible, but I'm going to guess that's maybe with a dividend, maybe a 7 or 8% return. Maybe it, it just doesn't seem like it's done much lately. And you look at a chart mm-hmm. the last few years, it's kind of bouncing around, uh, I'll say, between 100 to 120 except that one period. Uh, it was up to 150 which yeah. is kind of, I don't. It went up very quickly and then down very quickly. So... But uh, yeah, I'm just not seeing a lot of things that excited us on this. Yeah, no, so. it's. I I, I I don't know. I I was excited about this because I think these are going to be the type. I I would think these are going to be the types of companies that can do well during the next several years. As, as generally, utilities are like a value play, but um, just not the value I was hoping for here, Rose. Also, a San Diego mm-hmm. company too. So yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm disappointed to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate. Mm-hmm. I think I, I'm. My conclusion then from what you said would be it's not a buy right now. No, no, it'd be a hold and uh, uh, be, be patient with no. it or look for something else that could be a little bit better buy than Semper at this point in time. Already? Okay. Thank you very much. Yeah, You're welcome, that's Rose. What I wanted to know. I okay. appreciate it. Thank You're you. welcome. Bye bye. All right. That does open the phone line 866 577 2473. That's 866 577 2473. Before we go back to the phones, it is time for that financial planning. A moment that we kind of do, or, or segment that we do with our uh, CFP, Harrison Johnson. Good morning, Harrison. How are you doing this morning? Good morning, guys. Doing well. How are you doing? Good, good. Uh, uh, you didn't call in last week because you're in Hawaii, always traveling somewhere. So now we'll have you back in San Diego. Good to have you back. Well, actually, I'm in Arizona. Oh. <laughs> All righty. <laughs> well, today you're talking about uh, umbrella insurance. Very important, and I think sometimes very confusing for people. Yeah, so the reason I wanted to talk about it this week, I know we've got um, Thanksgiving coming up on Thursday. So, you know, sometimes that's when you get together with your in-laws. The last thing you need is your shiesty nephew coming over to your house, falling down, hurting himself, and then suing you. Um, you'd be surprised how often people sue each other. Um, it, it happens. If you look at the statistics, it happens all the time. And you might think, oh, well, they would never do that. Well, maybe their insurance company or their attorney would. And so that's what kind of drives it or, you know, when medical bills start coming in. But essentially, when you have a home or when you have a car, you have homeowners and auto insurance. They have liability coverage on that to um, protect you if anybody sues you from lawsuits. Now, what an umbrella policy is, it's it's, it comes in increments of a million dollars of protection and it stacks on top of that home and auto insurance policy just in case. Um, someone does sue you, it gives you a little bit more protection, so it's not coming out of your pocket. Now, the good news about this is usually it's very cheap. Um, you might be able to get a million-dollar umbrella policy for 200 bucks a year. Um, so, again, it doesn't cost very much at all, but it protects against something that 
could come out of nowhere and really mess you up if you're not prepared for it. Um, I had a client a couple years ago that got to a car accident and was sued for over a million dollars. But fortunately, they had an umbrella policy and they covered the whole thing. So it was no no out-of-pocket cost for them. Um, You know, you don't want to rear-end somebody and then they do the, oh, my back, my neck thing, and then, you know, come after you that way. So, um if you have a home, if you have a car, and your net worth is getting around $2 million or more, I would say you really need to take a look at getting an umbrella policy just for that added protection. Um, if you have a net worth of in the 5 or $6 million range or more, you might need to pick up a little bit more than that. So definitely something to be aware of. Um, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of that everyone needs every type of insurance all the time, but in some cases, this is a type of insurance that uh, you want to consider. And Harrison, this kind of shows the the length you go to with the clients that are your financial planning clients at Wills Asset Management, because I don't think a lot of financial planners look at that. They'll look at, you know, well, the investment, the trust, but another thing that you're looking at that could really destroy years of growing your portfolio. And well, no one told me I needed umbrella policy. No one told me I could be sued for $2 million for my long lost nephew that fell down the stairs. Just another thing that you look at how in depth you go in the financial planning. That's why we always encourage people to, we give a free consultation. They can sit down and talk with you for free and kind of talk about it, to compare their current financial planner or plan to what you do uh, in our firm, Wills Asset Management. So, uh, and I know you're you're pretty busy now, but we always do make time for for people coming in. Uh, It's just how extensive you go in the financial planning. Yeah, and that's that's really what it takes. I mean, any type of risk or any type of opportunity that someone has available to them, we need to explore that. I don't sell umbrella insurance. Most financial advisors don't. Maybe that's why they don't talk about it that often. But this is something that people need to be aware of, especially when their assets start to, started getting up there. They're leaving themselves vulnerable to some unexpected lawsuit coming out and, and really hurting them. Yep. And, and actually, you're a fee-based planner. That's just for a fee, so you have no bias about uh, trying to sell somebody something. And Fee only, right, yeah. Harrison? Yeah. Te- yeah, technically fee only. There's fee-based advisors that technically can still sell things, um, and they kind of hide behind that. Oh, I'm fee-based, but they can still sell things. I'm fee only. I sell absolutely nothing. Um, I only charge a fee, and if you're not happy with it, then I end up not charging you anyway. So there's really no uh, no risk to it with me. Good. All right. Well, we'll see you Monday morning. Enjoy your time in Arizona. Another wedding. Number eight this year. I'll Gosh. see you guys on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> right. We'll see you then. <laughs> Bye-bye. All right. Again, that's Harrison Johnson, our CFP. And again, he's on a salary. Again, the fees are what they charge or we charge actually for doing financial plan. And you don't have to be a investment uh, client with Wills Asset Management. If you just want to have a financial planner, that is also a lot as well. So if you want a free consultation with Harrison, give us a call at the office at uh, 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Or go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. I do believe, Chase, on the website, we do have a separate section for financial planning, right? That, uh, yeah. About his services, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I think, yeah, do. yeah. I, all of a sudden, I just kind of went blank on that. I don't want to say it like, no, we yeah. don't have that. But, but I knew we'd, yeah, yeah, it's the same contact. You, yeah. you just contact us, yeah. and we'll, we'll make sure you get in contact with the right person. Yep. All righty. Phone number is here, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473.
Let's go back out to San Diego and speak with Tim. Tim, you're on the Smart Invest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Morning, guys. I uh, just want to say we are very satisfied clients of Harrison. He did an awesome job when we came in and for our free consultation about a year and a half ago. So highly suggest him. But I was wondering if you guys could look at Brookfield Asset Management, BAM. They're in the residential building, and also they own some commercial properties as well. Oh, good. I, I, I'm kind of excited. We've been kind of thinking about this area, so let's see if this is the one that's going to do well for us. I like this ticker symbol, too. BAM. You know? <laughs> Almost like wham. Kind of like bam, bam, or <laughs> yeah. bam if you're, you know, cooking. You know? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> let's take a look at the Brookfield Asset Management symbol. Again, it's B-A-M in the industry of real estate development. Uh, no short on this. Uh, institutional ownership is 69.1. We do see a P-E ratio of 28 versus 7.3. Uh, price of sales, 1.3. That's above the industry, also at 0.7. Price to book value, 2.4 versus 0.6. And uh, no price of tangible book value uh, versus 10.8. So they may have a lot of intangible assets. And price of cash flow, 11 versus 7.6. Uh, peg ratio looking very good, 2.2 versus 2,600 for the industry. We do see earnings per share uh, over the one-year change. Nothing there. Industry a negative 9.2. Five-year earnings per share change is a positive 9.1 versus 10.7 for the industry. Sales growth one year, 11.9. Not as good as the industry at 24.9. And uh, five-year sales growth, 25.6 above the industry at 19.6. Now, I'm kind of disappointed in this. I guess I thought it was kind of like a REIT, but I do see a dividend yield of only 0.9% versus 4.5 for the industry. And the company does use about 23% of their earnings to pay it out. So I was kind of hoping for a higher dividend there, and it is not. They have paid that dividend for nine years consecutively. Uh, we do see that the balance sheet got a current ratio of 0.9 versus 1.9. I'm okay with that. Debt equity is on the high side. 390 versus one, uh, 100% for the industry. And we see a net profit margin of 4.9 versus 9.8. Return on equity is 7.9 versus 9.6. So I'm not too excited with this so far, unless you have something good over there, Chase. Uh, well, I do see a current price here for uh, Brookfield Asset Management, $59.60. 52-week high, well, that's $62.20. The low, $37.65. Uh, Year-to-date, wow, stock is up 46.6%. And uh, by no means is a small company with a $93.5 billion market cap. So very, very good size there. Uh, I, I do see, I, I wonder if uh, part of the reason it's done so well this year, is I see some investment focus on renewable power and infrastructure. Wow. So those are two kind of hot words, buzzwords, especially after the uh, passage of the infrastructure deal was that last week? So I, I think that uh, it, it could have gotten some benefit from that. But I, I do want to look forward, and we're still looking at FFO for this company or funds from operations. I see December 2022, it's estimated at $2.74. We'll give us a target sell price of $45.48. So unfortunately, Tim, just looks a little bit pricey here, and you don't even get that good of a yield, unfortunately. Yeah, I know. And, and uh, not, not too exciting. And I think because the infrastructure play, I think it has gone up dramatically. Uh, so probably nothing here, but uh, maybe a pullback down the road. So not 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 anything we like too much there, Tim. All right, I'll go back to the drawing board inside that industry and look at a different company. Thanks a lot, guys. Have a happy Thanksgiving. You too. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, that does open the phone line, 
866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And Chase, I think we have a Facebook question here. Do you have that? Uh, we do. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we'll look at here uh, from Evan on Facebook. It says, Boeing announced more 787 delays. Is it time to buy or sell Boeing stock? And I, I know the stock fell the other day, took uh, some major points off the Dow. Um, gosh, I think it was Wednesday. They kind of announced a 787 delay, kind of hampered the the Dow Industrials there. So curious to see Boeing. I I don't think we've taken a look at Boeing in quite some time, so very curious what the numbers look like. Yeah, it has been a long time. So let's take a look at the numbers on Boeing. Symbol is BA. Not much uh, uh, short on this, uh, 1.5%. Institutional ownership is 54%. Uh, I don't know if I'm missing numbers here or not, but I, I don't have a PE ratio. Uh, I have a price to sales of two versus one point seven, but I have no price to book value, no price of cash flow, and it's possible that there is no book value, and it's possible that there is no cash flow as well. So that would not be a good sign to buy this company. Uh, looking at the earnings per share uh, change over the last uh, one year and five year, nothing there. Uh, sales over the one year change pause of three point three does compare favorably to the industry at uh, a negative eight point one, but the five year sales is a negative 7.9% from Boeing versus a negative 1%. Uh, they no longer pay a dividend. Looking at the balance sheet here, current ratio 1.4 versus 1.8. No debt to equity because I don't believe they have any equity. Uh, net profit margin, negative 13.5 versus a 5.5 for the industry. Return on equity, well, this is the only good thing I've seen, uh, 58.7 versus 8.8 for the industry. Return on capital is a negative 12. And, I, and I, I'm, not, I'm not trusting that number, the 58.7. I'm going to look at the balance sheet while you look at the numbers going forward here, Chase. Yeah, and I, I don't know. It is very strange. And I, I think a lot of people have bought Boeing because it's uh, Boeing. I, I think and it was. I think it hit as high as 400 a couple of years ago. Uh, so I think, oh, buying opportunity. But let's take a look at those numbers. Current price for Boeing, $214.13. 52-week high, well, that's $278.57. And 52-week low, $191.85. So year-to-date, it's about flat. Hasn't moved much. Uh, looking forward for Boeing, though, uh, go out to December 2022. I do see estimated earnings per share of $4.97. That would give us a target sell price of $82.50. I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt here and even look out to 2023 since we are coming up on that. I see that estimate, though, just $8.20. Even looking out of further years, still $136.12 would be our estimated target sell price. So I I just, I I wonder how difficult it is going to be for Boeing to get back on track. I think airlines after what they've been through, are going to be extremely cognizant of capacity. So I, I wonder how their order flow is going to be. And also, too, I mean, they have no room to stumble here because they, we talked about this before, they they really destroyed their balance sheet. I mean, back in, uh, let me see here, back in 2018, they had about uh, $10.6 billion in uh, long-term debt. It's now $57 billion. And on top of that, they have a pension and other liabilities of about $15.3 billion. Uh, their total non-current liability debt is about $75 billion. Their equity back in uh, 2017, nothing really great. is about $355 million, but it's now a negative $14.4. I believe that's billion dollars because, they, yeah, these are billion dollars. I mean, they have a 
terrible negative equity. Uh, so very weak balance sheet. They have no room for error. If they mess up anything, if these planes really have a major problem, uh, and I hate to say it because I love American companies, but this company I think will, will have to file bankruptcy because they just won't be able to get through. And I, we were so surprised. We talked about before the CEO where he borrowed, I think it was like $40 billion. Yeah. I'm like, wow. I mean, it's just company's still around, but I, w- I would not feel comfortable holding this in our portfolio. Yeah. No, it, it, it's... I don't know. I, I just, I, I don't like it. I, yeah. I guess it's the best way I could put it. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> and there was a time that Boeing was a, was a great company and so forth. And I, I, I hope they'll return to that someday, but uh, they've really struggled. And, and there was some talk too on the, on the, the courts when they, uh, was the, the, the plane that gave all the problems? The, the 737 uh, Max. 737 Max. That that maybe they were not doing things quite the way they should have been. You know, and I'll, I'll put it that way. Yeah. No, no criminal charges, though, I don't think. I don't they're. believe so. Yeah. Yeah. But it was something that was really kind of uh, destroyed this company here, uh, unfortunately. So uh, he also had a crypto question real quick, too. I saw that. No. <laughs> Uh, threw me here for a loop. I wasn't ready sorry, for that. Sorry, sorry. I, I just it saw was, on the notes here. Crypto, crypto. Yeah, I, I thought we'd do one. Um, but let's see. It, it was something about crypto mining uh, was his question. It says, does crypto mining have any liabilities? Um, I don't know much about crypto mining, but right. I do know that the electricity to run it. So I'd right. assume that's a big liability. <laughs> um, but I, I don't even know how you mine a Bitcoin. So yeah. uh, I... Can't answer that question. I'm going to say in today's society, how litigious we are, there probably is some liability there. Yeah. And and again, I know they've been kind of what kicked out of China because uh, of the electricity costs. Canada, I think Canada's having a hard time with it now. So there are liabilities there. Good, good point to bring up, a good question to ask because that's something that could kind of blindside you. Well, again, I don't know much about the crypto mining, but don't you need like computer to do the mining and so you probably need to upgrade right. your computer so i mean there, there's going to be i don't know what type of liability are we talking about assets and liabilities or legal liability right um i'd say i think you would have potentially both yeah but again something yeah. to look into crypto has been yeah. a interesting space to say the least and i was i was thinking legal liability but uh yeah you know it's not a computer it's multiple yeah. computers and multiple servers i mean and i, and I guess uh, there was some town in Canada that the hum from this factory was so loud that people were kind of going crazy because of the amount of computers that were just humming. And it's a fans, I guess, trying to keep these cool and stuff. It's just just amazing sometimes. You look at how crazy uh, it is. And, and I don't understand. I guess they're trying to get the perfect formula so you get a Bitcoin or something. I, 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 I just don't understand how crazy it is. I know. You're telling me I can't mine Bitcoin with my MacBook here? I'm sorry to say no. <laughs> I mean, you could, but it might take you 100 years to get there. <laughs> so it's fast, but not that, that yeah. fast. <laughs> All righty. Well, uh, thank you for listening to Smart Investing Show. There's the closing bell. It is for uh, informational purposes only and should not be used as investment advice. If you'd like to discuss in more detail your investment needs, have other investment questions, feel free to call myself Brent Wilsey or Chase Wilsey at 858-546-4306. That's 858-546. 546-4306 and also Harrison Johnson, our financial planner as well as we should that number also 858-546-4306 or visit our website smartinvesting2000.com that's smartinvesting2000.com and for more daily educational information on investing tips go to our Facebook page Smart Investing with Brent and Chase Wilsey. Closing song Frank Sinatra's My Way is performed by local entertainer Roman Palacios. Have a great Saturday. We'll talk more next week right here on the Smart Investing Show. This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management.